Well, Pat and Teresa aren't here, so I get to talk about them. (laughs) So when they listen back to the tape, they'll probably like it. Or you won't see me in church next week. Then you'll know that they did not like it. But I'm sure they're going to. So what I thought I'd talk about, actually, is this. is uh, You know, kind of the story. That's a good one today because this is just kind of kind of more easy, easy stuff for a little bit. Well, there was a time uh, when we were at the Freedom Center, you know, and you've kind of heard the story maybe a little bit about Pat and Teresa and how they really involved uh, um, really their decision-making on whether or not to be basically a pastor, you know, to actually start a church plant in Linden. And how scary that was and everything that went into it. Well, you know, I have a, a different, um, I guess, view on it because I was on the outside looking in. Whereas, you know, he was going to be the head honcho and he was just nervous as heck. So Pastor Jim had given him a head hunting card, you know, where he could actually go to anybody in the congregation. And he could choose and ask people to... Uh, to come with them. And it wasn't just, uh, you know, when you think of the headhunting cards, I always think of like the Taliban ones, you know, with the mug shot, you know. <laughs> you know, and just think, Daniel, there was one with you on it. You know, you were number three or number one or whatever you were, you know. So anyway, so he approached Kristen and I, you know, and we thought, wow, you know, no, that's not for us. No, we're pretty comfortable right where we're at, you know. And, you know, it was, it was a thing where, you know, the unknown was bigger than the known, you know. And sometimes the comfort of the known is, you know, outweighs the unknown, right? So um, he had, uh, they had still asked us, though. They said, you know, instructed us to pray and to let God, you know, in on our decision. Because with me, you know, it's pretty easy for me to make the decision <laughs> and then ask, you know, especially after I screwed up, <laughs> you know, so hindsight. So shortly after that invitation, though, from Pat, um, I took uh, Pastor Jim out duck hunting and he had called me to go hunting. And I said, sure, you know, I'll take you out. I'll take you out on Tuesday. And I said, but I had already seen the forecast. See, he is a hunter at heart. His name's Hunter, but he's also a hunter. I dig it. I dig it a lot. So anyway, so I saw the forecast. It was going to be like 75, 80 degrees. It was in like the third or fourth week of October. You know, it's a perfect day to golf and a lousy day to duck hunt, you know. But all you guys that hunt and fish and you girls that scrapbook and do women's ministry, you know, it's about getting together. You know, the food bank is similar. You're working, but you're also goofing around and chucking bread at each other, you know, and all that. So that's really what it was about. And he called me, so I knew that he wanted to talk about something because that's the kind of the friendship that we have. We have one of those where he can tell me anything, I can tell him anything, and it doesn't go any further than that, you know. It's not shared with other people. So when he, uh, when he asked me, I said, sure, you know. It's going to be hot. It's going to be awful. Maybe we'll shoot a duck. Well, we shot a couple ducks that morning, you know, right at daybreak. But more importantly, the last two or three hours of that was just conversation. And he finally got, I think, to his conversation point. He said, are you guys leaving? 
and me, you know, I'm not the brightest tool out there, you know, the brightest light. And I said, leaving where? <laughs> and he goes, the church. Oh, and I'm like, I'm like, why? <laughs> I said, oh, I said, no, you know, the only way that I'm going is if God calls me to go. So that's the only way that I'm going. And I said, he has not called me to go. So I am not going. So, uh, you know, he kind of, kind of looked over at me with a real serious look. And then if you guys know Pastor Jim, then it goes to like this soft, this lighthearted smile that he tries to cover the seriousness of the issue. Whenever I hear him preach, he always says, whenever he starts talking about a funny story or a joke, it's because he's really nervous or he's really serious and he wants to lighten it up. But the seriousness doesn't leave him. He's just covering it. So I saw the same look on his face. And we said that, you know, and I saw the look. I thought, well, you know, God hasn't told me, so I'm good to go. So a couple weeks later, you know, the Holy Spirit really spoke with, to Kristen and I. And we knew that this is a place for us. You know, this is where we're supposed to go. Um, and he was calling us out of our comfort zone. And he was throwing us right into the unknown. You know, I, I read uh, in one book, he talked about uh, God pushing you or, or you jumping off a divine cliff, right? But attached is God's parachute. You just don't know where you're landing. And that's what it felt like, you know. Um, and I was excited is really nerve-wracking. And it's not what Pastor Jim was expecting at all. You know, I think he thought that everybody would say no. But see, he didn't groom us to say no. You know, his ministry is bigger than that. You know, and his selfishness to have you guys at the Freedom Center, you know, is because that he loves you. You know, and he cares for you. But he also knows that God's way bigger than him, right? So a couple weeks later, Pastor Jim called me and said, Hey, you know, it's J.D.'s birthday, his son. He says, I'd like to take uh, the boys out hunting. So I took him, J.D., and five other boys, and we went bird hunting. So I took my bird dog, and we hunted a bunch of chuckers and pheasants and that sort of thing and they're great hunts because you know gary bacon will tell you get a group of guys together especially kids there's always funny shots there's always goofy things you know there's just laughs galore you know and if the dog works it's even better so um so we did it though you know about two hours into it the kids were finally shooting some birds and my dog wasn't looking at me like you gotta be kidding me he missed that again you know, that's the look he gives me. <laughs> yeah. And after three or four times, you know, the dog just wants to shut down because he's convinced that there's nothing that's going to die. And all the dog wants to do is get the bird in his mouth. That's all he wants. So feathers were starting to fly, you know, and birds were going down. And the dog was pointing really good. And we were listening to the boys just chatter. And you guys know, you guys get like 13, 14-year-old boys chattering. You know, it's kind of fun to listen. So we were kind of holding back, and the dog was working. and He was really quiet. You know, we're just enjoying that. And he finally, he leans over to me, and he says, I thought you were staying. <laughs> and I'm like, 
the same look when he said, hey, you're not leaving. I'm like, I'm like, what? And he goes, he looks at me. He had to be the same thing, you know. And he says, I thought you were staying. And it finally dawned on me that I had never even thought about letting him know that I was called to, to come here, you know, to, to start this new church plant, you know. And, uh, and then I really thought, man, you know, I think it's more honorable to, to tell somebody that you really care for than to let somebody else tell them like Pat and Teresa, oh, by the way, the Dickersons are coming. Because here's the deal is a lot of you guys did the exact same thing that I did. Told the Brady's and then didn't tell Pastor Jim. And then, you know. So I think I was like, Chris and I were probably one of the last ones. And I think it was like a backbreaker. And it wasn't because we were leaving. It was because everybody else, you know, some really core people were taken off. And so when he repeated it again, I realized what he was talking about. And I just looked at him, you know. And I didn't answer right away. And when he when I did look at him, he had kind of a misty-eyed look, you know. And I thought, oh, man, I really have to be careful with how I respond here. So I still couldn't find the words. So I just kind of shrugged, shrugged my shoulders, you know, and looked at him. I said, you know, Pastor, I told you that I wouldn't go unless God called me to go. And God called me to go. And it took him a second. He looked at me. It was like when I finally did something right, Dad. You know that look that you give me when you're proud that I made a right decision? Well, Pastor Jim gave me that look. And I thought, you know, that's what it's about. You know, I think I think back to, you know, like his ministry and what it meant for me. You know, he's an open vessel. You know, I got saved at that church baptized in water at that church, baptized by the Holy Spirit in that church. You know, e-group leader, you know, cleaning uh, toilets at the uh, at the 4th of July event. That's like one of my highlights. That's on my highlight reel, you know. In the worship team, you know, that's fun stuff. Uh, a deacon, you know, for a number of years. Um, and I got to fine tune. I took the leadership skills that I had in like my everyday job, you know, and got to funnel them into something else that was, you know, advancing the kingdom of God. And the best part is I got to take those things and then I got to use them at my job. And then I got to advance them that way too. So he had done so well in training us, in grooming me and others, that it was pretty much just an inevitable that we would not deny God's calling on our life and that we would go. And I think that's really why he looked at me and smiled instead of crying, which is what he probably wanted to do. Because he was proud that, you know, we had followed God's instruction, that we were obedient to what he was saying to us, in particular to Kristen and I. But I wish I could always, I wish I could say I always listen. You know, I think when you're called to be a follower of God, you know, then it's just the beginning point. When you're saved, it's just the beginning. There's so much more to a calling than just saying, you know, that he's your savior. Because he's going to call you to sing a Frank Sinatra song. And you're going to do it. (laughs) 
And I'm like, what is this Paris song she's singing? But it was cool, right? So, so you know, you know, in saying that, though, too, I think we have to definitely be aware of when God calls you, what does his voice sound like? How do we identify that? And so I always look for examples in the Bible. And I'm going to read one to you right now. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, verses ten through or two, 2 through 10. And I dig Samuel. You know, he's just a young guy. Oh, you know, we didn't run our video. So we'll run our video afterwards. I forgot. But uh, anyways. So it says, uh, One night Eli, whose eyes had become so weak that he could barely see. So Eli was a prophet, of course. He was lying down in his usual place, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. How cool would that be? That would be pretty cool. Lying right next to the ark. And the Lord called to Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli. So God must have yelled, Samuel, Samuel, hey. And instead he said, Here I am. And he took off and ran to Eli. And he said, Here I am, you called. But Eli said, no, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he did. And again, the Lord called out Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said again, here I am, you called. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And Samuel did not know the Lord. He didn't know him yet. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Right? So the Lord called Samuel a third time. I'm a lot like Samuel, and I know the voice of the Lord. I just sometimes don't identify it, you know, right? So he got up a third time. He said, here I am, Eli, here I am. You called me, and Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So so Samuel went and lay down in in his place, and the Lord came and stood there. I'll repeat that again. The Lord came and stood there, right next to Samuel, calling as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. So Samuel was listening. He just could not identify who was speaking. No, I think as we get called into ministry... And ministry isn't right here. I mean, it is right here. It's right back here. But it's out there with you guys. You know, that's your ministry. Your life is your ministry, right? So when he calls, you know, you have to be able to identify that voice. For Samuel, it took three times. And then it took somebody else to tell him who was calling him. Right? And each time he went back to Eli and he asked until he finally was told. And then when he was told, he understood. It was revealed to him. So as adults, both young and not so young, I was going to put old there, but politically correct, you know, I don't know if you put old. So I'm going to say not so young. That was for you, Gary. Not so young. (laughs) Gary Bacon. Not you, Gary. Right, so, so uh, you like that? I was thinking about that in back all morning. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna say that. 
So anyways, so we have to be identified or we have to be able to identify who's talking to us. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, right? You have to be able to identify who's calling you, but also what they're calling you to do. That's a big key right there. Is it God? Or is it Satan? Because his calling is just as strong. It's so strong that he's referred to as the prince of this world. I mean, all you got to do is watch TV for about 10 minutes. Drive down the road, see a billboard. You know, read a newspaper for five minutes. You know, I mean, whatever it is. You know, you can see who's calling you. And whose voice is louder at times than others, you know. So God, you know, Caitlin's not here, but God is really speaking to me about Caitlin. I mean, Caitlin is our soundboard operator, assistant, graduate. Caitlin is not here. She is at her open house, but she's going to be here next week. And we're going to celebrate her graduation up here. But she's 17 years old. She might be 18. I don't know. But she's sixth in her class. You know, quiet Caitlin back there, sixth in her class. A couple hundred students, right? I mean, I said, oh, you're seventh in your class. And she said, I'm sixth in my class. So she's proud of you. <laughs> I mean, whoops. <laughs> you know, so graduated with honors. And what I love about Caitlin is she is just a great-hearted girl. She's a servant. You can see it, you know. Um, but, you know, to be successful, though, she really had to strive. Her, her grades didn't come easy, so she really had to put in the effort. And how many of you guys at 17 years old would have been paying attention at a church service, would have heard God's calling, would have actually identified it, and then would have actually did it? Now, I'm willing to say that most 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, 35-year-old, 41-year-old guys, you know, are caught up in, in friends, are caught up in school, in jobs. You know, it's really easy to hear it, but it's a completely other thing to actually do it. And at 17, unpopular. I mean... Most 17-year-olds are, you know, not aware of God. And if they are, they don't want to have anything to do with it because that's the fun governor that they've always been told he is, you know. It's not just us parents that are fun governors, <laughs> you know. So, so like Samuel, though, she's called. And so I have a question for you guys. You know, she was, oh, Caitlin was obedient. Do you remember the first time you were called? How about this? Do you remember the last time you were called? You know, and what were you called to? And were you obedient to it? Did you think that when you the first time you were called to follow God, did you think that it would affect your life like it has? You know, last week the scripture that that I gave uh, that talked about how the sun rises on both evil and good. The rain falls on both good and bad. Right to the unbeliever and the believer alike, you know. But the decisions that we make and who we follow and who we answer the call to, it's a big deal, and it affects everyone around us. 
my walk didn't get easier by accepting Christ. If anything, it got harder because I have to drone out, you know, the prince of this world, drone out Satan so I can hear God. So I have to squish one. And sometimes a lot of effort there just to hear a little voice from God talking to me. But he uses all of us, you know. I know for me, when I hear, like, like preaching, I mean, I'll back up, like e-group. You know, I'd been saved for like eight months. Pastor Jim says, I want you to lead an e-group. I'm like, what are you on, dope? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> you know, stonemason. Not really, not really much of a Bible dude yet, you know. I mean, I'm studying like crazy, you know, but... I mean, eagerly, I'm like, I don't know, man. <laughs> You've been drinking the Kool-Aid way too long, brother. But he says, he says, he says, you know, was Paul ready? You know, when he was Saul, was he ready? You know, changed his name to Paul. Went on to be one of the greatest apostles ever, right? Was he ready? I mean, God called him. Then I realized that God was calling me right then. But I didn't feel worthy, you know. So much of us won't accept grace or mercy because we don't feel worthy. But if they only get that the mercy that God gives you and the grace that he gives you makes you worthy because it's just a gift. just have to accept it. So turn to Amos. We got a bunch of old school, Old Testament stuff. Amos chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. And it says... Amos answered, Amaziah, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. So, so many prophets, they studied under their fathers, right? To become a professional prophet. Well, this guy was neither that. He said, but I was a shepherd and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flocks and said to me, go prophesy to my people. Of Israel. He was a shepherd. You know, I talked about this probably six, seven months ago. What, what was a shepherd? You know, I mean, he was like a redneck. I mean, he was unkept, right? Uneducated, uncivilized. You know, in those times, you know, culture was such a big deal. I mean, look at the Roman Empire. So much culture right there, right? And if you're a shepherd, you're disconnected from that. You know, you got the crazy beard going on. Probably don't bathe a whole heck of a lot, you know. Anything to keep the wolves away from your your, your, uh, herd. But here's the deal. God calls and it doesn't matter the age. I love it that it doesn't matter your rank. That it doesn't matter your wealth. That it doesn't matter your gender that it doesn't matter. He calls everyone. And he calls you to the same thing. Now, it might be different, but the end is the same. And it's a glorious end. It's one that will glorify God in everything that you do. Because that's what his word says. He says he'll glorify everything. Plane crash, people die. He glorifies in that. I don't know how he does it. I don't know. I don't get it. You know, whatever it is, he glorifies it. Car accident, same thing, he glorifies it. 
So there's a difference in what he calls you to do. But he's calling you to the same thing, the same purpose, if you will. That's why I have a note here. If you would have asked me nine years ago if I ever thought I'd be number one born again, I would have said, what is that? And I'm not listening to you. Right. Number two, that I would be uh, an elder. <laughs> that would be really funny. Somebody actually people wanted me to make a decision about things. And number three, though, to actually preach the word of God on a, like a regular basis, I would have said, you are high. I already have that, so I'm not obsessed about golf anymore. How about struggling finances or poor health, or maybe you got a polyvore addiction? <laughs> That's like a shopping. Oh my gosh, you have to get with Kristen on this. You can take different clothes. It's like granimals, but for uh, adults, you know, like color matching. Anyways, so but God gives you a plan on how to get over those things. <laughs> Chris Taylor's dying over there. Uh, anyways, and he calls us to it daily, though. He really does, you know. And here's his plan. Here's his plan. His plan is right here. You know, this one's pretty beat up, you know. The one that I usually read out of, I've actually got camouflage duct tape because I told Kristen that they don't make duct tape in any other color but camouflage, Right? <laughs> Why don't you use blue or something that matches? This is all they make. So, you know, it's beat up because I go through it, you know. When I was studying for uh, for Easter, I mean, I almost wore out pages. I mean, just going back and forth and back and forth and trying to get more and trying to get more. If you guys would just dig deeper, you know, deeper into his word. Listen to it, what it, what it's saying to you. That just like Samuel, you know, God's word hadn't been revealed to him yet. His voice hadn't been revealed to him yet. And that's what he calls us to hear and calls us to do. You know, because all God wants you to do is have victory. He doesn't want you to stumble and fall. You know, I got a couple of really cool scriptures that we'll talk about in a minute. And that's right where Jonah was. He's another guy that was running from his calling, right? One of my favorite stories, kids love it, you know. I'm going to kind of see, I'll, I'll just kind of give you the, the uh, Cliff Notes version. You know, he was called to deliver a message to Nineveh, right? And it wasn't a pleasant one. His calling sometimes isn't pleasant, but it's necessary. I know I've been called to deliver a word to a friend that wasn't a pleasant one, but I knew it was the right one. And I knew if I didn't do it, that I was going to throw up. And I've had to do that like five times. And after I said it, I just walked away because that's all I was supposed to do. I didn't need to hear anything from him because all I was was the messenger. Well, Jonah gets the same thing. And instead he jumps on a ship and he doesn't go to Nineveh. Instead he takes off for another, another town. And then the storm comes up, starts throwing the ship around, you know. They're chucking everything off because the ship's going down. And Jonah's in the hull, sleeping. And they finally wake him up. And they're praying to all their gods. And they know Jonah is a Jew. Pray to your God. And he lets them in on a little story, a little secret, that it was because of him that the storm was threatening to sink the boat. 
and that they should throw them overboard. But still they don't. They still start throwing other things over. And then they realize they don't have any other choice. They chuck them into the water, you know, and then the, it says a great fish came up and swallowed them. I got a lot in common with Jonah. You know, when I hear his voice, I know I'm supposed to do something. Sometimes I just boogie to the next town. You know, instead of making the right, I make the left. You know, I ignore what God calls me to do sometimes, you know. And then this is what happens. Jonah 2, verse 10, he said, And then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. All right. So when I make my right, the fish is there waiting for me, snaps me in, throws me into his belly. Three days later, throws me up. By then, I'm so ready to do what I'm supposed to do that it's easy. Two things there. He's, he's vomited. So he's been in a fish for like three days. So he's got all the crap all over him, you guys. Literal. I mean, it's just all over him. Then he throws him up on a dry land. Now, why wouldn't he just throw him in like the shallow part of the pool? Because it'd be easier to clean right there, right? He would have to take it, make an effort and actually go into the water to wash himself clean. So it goes on then too in Jonah uh, chapter 3, 1 through 3. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And he said, go to the great city of Nineveh. And proclaim it, and proclaim it to the message I give you. This time, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. You know, does it sound familiar to you guys? How many of you guys spend time in the belly of the whale? How many? How many times you guys got to wash up? You know that you'd wish he'd just throw you in. Six foot of water so you could get clean. Well, how many guys realize, though, that to get clean, Christ gives you that opportunity? You know, he is our cleanser. No matter how many times we're in the whale, it's just a prayer away from being clean. You know, his grace and his mercy washes us clean. He makes us white as snow. You know, last week I talked about perfection. And how he is perfect, and we are not. But to achieve that holy perfection, we can. But not by our own means. It's because he offers it. All we have to do is accept it. And I love when he talks about things like this, you know. Because he teaks, or he speaks to you over and over again. I mean, just think when he swallowed Jonah, you know. Jonah had been thinking, man. You know, but it still took him three days. Maybe. I always think when he's in the belly, you know, for the first day, he's like, ah, you know, I'm going to get eight. Number two, you know, man, I haven't been swallowed yet. Number three, I got to get out of here. You know, it's the same thing. In Jeremiah verse or, uh, chapter 7, 13, it says, while you're doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, and you would not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. implies that we all hear him but we would not listen and we would not answer you know wish I could say to you guys that the further you get in your walk you know you're going to listen and you're going to answer every time 
but it, but it doesn't. But that's your character getting built. You know, that's God putting you through the great press. You know, waiting to see what comes out on the other side. And he already knows in advance what it is. You know, when the Spirit's on you, sharing like that, you know, it's just a great press. And I think it's cool when you can actually store that in your head and remember what it was like when he first called you or when he called you again to something else. But the coolest thing is God always gives you the roadmap. You know, I already talked about that's your roadmap. That's your, your Bible is it, right? But I love when he encourages me uh, and he tells me that it's going to take an effort for me to embrace my calling each time. Not just my first calling, but each time. So we're going to end with this scripture, and it's Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 10. And it says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge. I love how this, this scripture works because it, it's, it's steps, you know, add to your faith goodness. And then to goodness, add knowledge. You know, knowing the word of God, right? And then once you know it, self-control. And to self-control, you're going to add perseverance. And that's a tough one right now, you know. If any of you guys are struggling job-wise or, you know, marriage-wise, whatever it is, perseverance, man. If I could give you one word for marriage, it's perseverance. You know, I mean, you have to perseveres through some crazy things sometimes and then to perseverance godliness gosh and the godliness brotherly kindness you know god calls you to love everyone maybe not like everyone but you gotta love them <laughs> right and the brotherly kindness there's the best one love you know for if you possess these qualities, it goes on to say, in increasing measure, increasing measure. So you may have all these and call, done, I am done. Got all those. I love everybody. I'm wise. You know, I'm godly. But then it lets you know that increasing measure, that it has to be going forward. You know, you have to go forward with it. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he, he is nearsighted and blind. And he's forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. I like that one. And then verse 10, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. You know, when God tells you to do something... You got to do it. When he tells you to, you're called to be something, you got to be it. Right? That's what he wants you to do. And then he asks you to be eager. And he tells you if you do those other things that I, I just talked about, that he tells you that you'll be sure of your calling. You'll be sure that a stonemason is going to preach a word every now and again. Or that... Daniel's going to lead worship because he's called to do so. You know, or just being a, a great father, you know, 
being a coach of a, of a team and praying with them. You know, just a little thing, you should know, at your jobs. I mean, he calls you to do all these things if we just listen. And the last part of the scripture says, if you do these things, you will never fall. Yeah. Remember the parachute I talked about before? It might be a divine cliff. But the parachute is right there. And it says that we will never fall if we just do those things. Desiring to answer God's calling the first time, no matter what it takes. No matter how scary it is. No matter how fearful you might be of it. And if we do these things eagerly, some of the duty of those things will finally become a devotion. You know, I never really got that until we took a parenting class and it talked about duty. Hey, Krista, can you come up and do a little stuff like that? You know, and, and duty is a big thing, you know, because, you know, I'm the more strict one in our family, you know. Okay, I am the strict one, you know. So it's got to be this way, you know. This is the way. This is what I want. This is what needs to happen, you know. And as a kid, you know, I could really, I can appreciate that now. Before, I just thought, well, you know, I'm going to do it because my dad told me to. But it's not necessarily what I want to do. I'm just going to do it because that's my duty. But duty, at some point, turns into a devotion. And you do it because you love your dad or you love your mom. Or you love your kid. You know, or you love God. You know, when you answer his call, you know, you may answer it out of duty. But if you listen and you keep pushing towards that, I promise you it'll turn into devotion. And you'll love what you're doing. And it might be scary. What I do might seem scary to you guys. I, we were playing softball yesterday. One of my buddies, Kevin, he says, he says, I heard you're preaching tomorrow. And to be honest with you, you know, I hadn't really thought much of it because, you know, Pat asked me to preach every once in a while. And I said, yeah. He goes, man, I could never do that. That would be really scary. Like, you know, it's really not scary at all. For me, it's not, you know. I don't really get nervous anymore. You know, um, it's not a duty, it's a devotion. It's a devotion. It's something I really love because you guys might not learn anything when I preach, but I learn a lot. I learn how many people I can put to sleep. But I, I always learn more importantly, though, uh, whatever I'm studying. And it encourages me, it encourages me to listen for God's calling, to turn the duty of being obedient. Can you imagine growing up in the Old Testament? You know, I wonder how many of them really felt loved by God because it was so duty-driven, you know. I would probably do everything I could out of duty and not, and it would have been more like a Pharisee, right? And not have any heart behind it. Go through the motion so I could look like I was pure to not have any substance to actually know that when I stood before God in judgment that I was going to
go where I figured I was going to go. So through Christ, though, we're able to do that. We're able to stand in God's judgment. We're able to get the free ticket. We're able to listen to his calling. We're able to do it out of devotion and do it out of duty if we have to. So that's what I challenge you guys to do. You know, I bet you a lot of you guys have a few things that you could probably listen to God's voice, you know, listen to his calling and act on it and share it. You know, one of the very first things that um, I did when we were at Freedom Center and we just got saved, we took a first base class. And this first base class kind of gave you the like the, the general overview of what the Assemblies of God was about, you know. And uh, Nick Mihailoff asked, uh, asked the class one thing. They said, write down what you would like to do in ministry. And I thought, boy, you know, I'd love to have a hunting ministry, you know. But here's the thing. He gave me that eight and a half years ago. I really didn't dial it in for for four years after that. You know, and I, I do believe that it was, a lot of it was waiting on God's timing for it to line up for the properties and the, and the guys that I would do it with, you know. But I was always listening for it. And when it finally presented itself, I was ready for it. So maybe that's some of it is that you guys are called to do something, but you're waiting for his timing. But maybe some of you guys are just called to do it now. I would say this, that, you know, you're called to be a great parent right now, right? You're called to love your wife right now, to love your son and daughter right now. You know, love your husband right now. Those are the right nows. Hunting ministry might not be a right now. Preaching the word of God might not be right now to an audience. Might not be right now. But there are right nows that we all need to do. That we all need to hear the voice of God. And then we need to identify it. And then we need to get to it and be obedient. So let's pray about that. And Krista's going to sing that song right there. I was hoping you were going to sing that one. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that your calling is so much bigger than ours. I pray, Lord, that the people here, just like me, Lord, that the thing that you call us to, that we wouldn't be afraid of that. Sometimes we fear that more than we fear you, God. And I don't know why that is, Lord. I pray that that would not get in our way. For some of us, just being obedient to the calling will actually release just a huge weight off of our shoulders. I pray, Lord, that if it is a duty that needs to be done, Lord, that it would turn into a devotion. I 
pray that your Holy Spirit would just impress upon everybody to listen, that your voice would be louder than the prince of this world, Lord, that our actions would be greater, and that you would impress upon the time to do it, whether it's a now calling or if it's a later calling. God, your word says that we'll do greater things than miracles, than whatever it is, Lord. Help us to to be those vessels to do those greater things that you call us out to do. And God, let us just worship you in all that we do and all that we say. In Jesus' name.